jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of Darkness! Well, uh, I would like to thank you all for coming today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everyone who is gathered here oh. at Stately Gaylord's Manor. I feel we have some business to clear up. Oh, yes, yes. First of all, I would like to apologize to listeners for last week in our discussion of Brian De Palma's Dressed to Kill, I neglected to mention that the cab driver who drives Nancy Allen uh, was played by the guy who played Jeff in Friday the 13th Part 2. I had that written down in my notes. Oh! The, the cute guy that, that asked her out, that like knocked the, knocked the killer out when he was chasing her? Yes. And then asked her out? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah! As you all know, Jeff in Part 2 is the one who was doing it with Sandra and they got impaled on a mm-hmm. spear while they were making love that's that's exactly what they were doing (laughs) yeah Uh, so anyway i forgot to mention that my sincere apologies it was in my notes uh and it's probably the most important thing about that movie so i'm real sorry in your in your defense it was in your notes it was in my notes. You know what, Stacey? There is intention, okay? We talked about intention on the last episode, that it's important to look at intention and context, right? This is true. However, sometimes intent, she who left it in your notes, doesn't matter. Because sometimes the impact overrides the intent, Stacey. Wow. And the I... impact here was Jeff Erasure. Wow, okay. I see. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't. Let me, hold on. Let me get my notes app out <laughs> so I can type up an apology <laughs> to to put on Twitter. An apology as you're you're held at gunpoint by Brian Singer's lawyers. I don't know why Brian Singer comes <laughs> into this. I just assume anytime somebody writes an apology, it's because of Brian Singer's lawyers. Yeah. So, but now everybody knows. And that's, that's really the important thing, is that everybody knows. Everybody knows. There's connective tissue. He's cute. Um, I wonder if he and Nancy Allen ever went on that date. Right. Or did she just keep fucking the teenager? Questions, questions. Well, he said, can I give you a call sometime? But he did not have her name or her phone number, so I feel like right? it is a missed connection. Did he just open up the phone, like when the, when people try to predict stuff with the Bible, did he just open up the phone book and just point at a name? That could be. He threw tea leaves on it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he cast the bones on the yellow yeah. pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh. Well, that is item number one on the agenda. Yes, I'm glad we, item... I'm glad we talked through that. Item number two. Listeners, there has been an ongoing struggle here. Oh, no. At Stately Gaylord's Minute. That's right, Anthony. Oh, no. 
it's time for you to get called out for once. Oh, if no. you remember, listeners, a couple of weeks ago, Anthony was like, you texted me about the Mothman prophecies. And I was like, are you just really kind of looking for permission to watch the Mothman? <laughs> <laughs> listeners, if I can tell y'all about this journey I have taken unwillingly down a little street called fear <laughs> because one Anthony Hudson uh, has a very complicated relationship with that trilogy of movies I don't like it oh no I think I do like it I don't like it here's why it's bad representation oh no maybe it's good representation should we do it no you're not gonna like it Stacy. so let's not do it but should we do it should we talk about it I don't know should I just talk about it but that's kind of boring if you haven't seen it should we talk about it I don't know so last week I said I anyone said, that knows me knows this is exactly what it's like to have a conversation with me <laughs> So finally, last week, after we recorded Dress to Kill and we said, hey, hey, what do we want to do for the next week? I said, fine, I'll do the Fear Street trilogy. I'll do it. I didn't want to do it. Uh, but I thought, let's, I'll take one for the team. Like, let's do this and talk about it. And then a few days later, I said, you know what? I'm sorry, Anthony. I'm going to stick to the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to. Yep, you're not chasing that. I'm not chasing that waterfall. Look, people are going, are fucking losing their minds over Fear Street, and I think that's great. I'm glad people like it. Personally, I have zero interest in it, and that is also fine. Absolutely. However, it hasn't stopped, though. (laughs) And so, Anthony, please... Get it out of your system right now. The floor is yours. You have a microphone in front of you, I presume. No. I can't talk about Fear Street. You can't open this Pandora's box. I have such complicated feelings. Um, Are they complicated? I don't know. You haven't watched any of it, right? You wouldn't. I have not. I told I you not I to. Will. I have no connection to the source material, whatever that is. Even R.L. Stein. Like, look. I, You know, I, I thought about it. Because there's been part of me that's like, it's such a topic of conversation in horror Twitter and the horror world and all of this. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I was like, I really should watch these. And then I was like, time out. Like, I just don't want to i just i am not interested i know there's lesbians i'm just not interested in these movies and i have accepted that that is okay like just just because i have a horror podcast and a horror blog i don't have to watch every new thing i don't have to have a viewpoint i don't have to have a take i don't have to be in the know about every new horror movie that comes out do you even use twitter sometimes i reply try not to use twitter like i just i'm just that's the whole point of being a horror fan is to issue your take on the thing that everyone's talking about the week that everyone watches it before they all forget about it forever (laughs) well i think you're you're made to feel that way in all honesty you're made to feel that way that it's like because i write about horror movies or whatever that it's like well i should be in this conversation and then i thought about all the dudes who are like i don't know white dudes in their 50s or whatever 
who just do whatever they want, whether or not it's topical, whether or not it's cool, whether it's not this or that and the other thing. They don't care about being a part of that conversation. If they want to only talk about fucking whatever, weird Italian horror movies from the 70s, that's what they talk about. And so I just gave myself, I granted myself peace for this trilogy, for the future. I will no longer feel the pressing need to be a part of the conversation. I will no longer feel guilt over not being a part of a conversation. I am sticking to the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to and that I want to visit. Thank you. And so what you're saying is this is about my feelings about Fear Street? (laughs) Well, this was a realization that... Yes! Because it's your fault that I have to think about all of this. This is true. I did hoist it upon you. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. But I, I, you know, I called myself in and I said, last week I said, Stacy, we can always choose joy. We don't need to do this. We probably shouldn't do this. No, I know. there, There is that. But it's the whole, it's, it smacks of, I don't want to watch Mothman, do I? <laughs> Is what I'm saying. (laughs) Absolutely. No, and that's the thing is like, I didn't want to talk. And this is why I kept going back and forth is that I don't want to talk about Fear Street because I don't know that there's enough content within the story itself to to really talk about it in a way that is worthy of gay lords, you know, and that we have a, (laughs) we have something to connect to Tub Girl. I, I didn't, I didn't really see that functioning in there. Um, but what I'm interested in about Fear Street and what upsets me is that question of representation and what actually constitutes queer horror. Um, is it to put queer characters into a thing, regardless of the filmmaker? Do you have to be a queer filmmaker to depict accurately a queer character? Is that what makes it and what constitutes queer horror? Or is it, a, is it, is it enough to just have that or... Um, it, it, is there such a thing as just horror that happens to feature queer characters? Is that is that by itself? Does that become queer horror? I don't know. It's so Fear Street because the first, uh, the first one, nineteen ninety four, which it looks nothing like the nineties, um, and and the lesbians presented therein are so removed from time. They read as very modern day people that like this would never happen in nineteen ninety four. There wouldn't be this like out lesbian relationship in a high school in nineteen ninety four. Um, they're just they're just there and and it it oh I got so upset and I have flames on the side of my face and I can't remember what I was talking about <laughs> but it it just it feels to me like um the first the first one it it was just had lesbians for the sake of having lesbians we're told they're lesbians but nothing about these characters tells me that they're lesbians. We know that they like each other, but we don't. I don't actually see chemistry. I don't see them liking each other. We're just told that they like each other. Um, and when I see something like that, that, I mean, they also have a terrible, abusive relationship until suddenly they just gaslight each other into thinking they did love each other towards the end of it, um, which just reeks of an even more abusive relationship. And I'm not saying all queer relationships need to be depicted... Uh, you know, as, as loving, good relationships. Not all queer issues, not all not all queer characters need to be good inherently or in healthy relationships. But it just, it, it reeks to me of straight people cashing in on queerness because it's popular right now. Because it's something that we are, I guess there's a double-edged sword to that is that we are, 
queer characters and stories are beginning to appear so much more in horror media and in media in general. But is is this like you like you brought up in one of our talks about it, is this the love simoning of horror? Is this the is Fear Street horror love Simon? Mm-hmm. Is that I don't I don't so you know my feelings have flipped back and forth. The third movie, the third movie. When I finally saw that one, it it locates the queerness in deep into the story, and it's about this like cycle of trauma and change and feminism. And I should be really excited about. It. I should be excited about a show where there's gay witches and lesbians who destroy the patriarchy and kill the sheriff and all this stuff. Um, and a cab. I should be excited to see that in a horror movie. But like, I see that in Suspiria, and I'm like, this is my politics. I see it in Fear Street, and I'm like, something about this feels insincere. Um, and just maybe what it's getting down to is that it's just not good. Are we are we at the point now in society where queer culture is just as bad as the the regular mainstream culture? <laughs> Like, I, we started watching, Jason and I have been watching American Horror Stories, um, the new anthology version of American Horror, Ser- Horror Story, where each episode is its its own story. And in that, the first episode, which, well, it's a two-parter, um, it's a, these two gay dads move into the murder house, and there's the lesbian daughter, and I'm like, I should be stoked on this. There are gay dads and a lesbian daughter. And it's just terrible. The acting is terrible. The writing is terrible. The newest episode has Adrian fucking Barbeau and like gender queer characters and and it was just awful. And I'm like, is this equality? Is this progress? Is where we're just as boring and mainstream and glossy and CW and terribly written as everybody else? Is that is that what we want from queer horror? <laughs> And I don't know, then people on the internet get excited because, oh, they aren't coded. Oh, this is out front. They're giving a middle finger to patriarchy and blah, blah, And I see that, but I also am like, but we're so, we're so, just because these values are built into this thing, it's still a bottom of the barrel depiction. And so are we just that desperate for scraps? I'm like, give me the coded shit because at least it feels like there's some subversive power in that. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just... It's just a, it's, it's a complicated problem to me. Maybe I just am lucky that there's so much good food to choose from that, no, it's not even good. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings. You open the box. Well, I think something we've talked about repeatedly on this show is like, personally for me, I prefer, for the most part, I prefer subtext. I also prefer something like Thelma where it's just on the screen. I think we probably are getting to a point where this property, whatever it is, this movie is going to be just as bad or as good as all the other movies. It's just the characters are gay now. Yeah. And I suppose that's progress. It doesn't appeal to me as a viewer necessarily, but I suppose in a sense that shows that society has progressed um, as banal as the outcome is or maybe, you know, the fact that people can just be gay yes i think queer horror is a big umbrella and so to say what constant i think it's an interesting philosophical question yeah it can't really be answered right it can't really be answered and i don't think you don't want to get into gatekeeping and say like this doesn't qualify because i don't like it (laughs) because i don't like it yeah and when it comes to something like fear street i think 
to to put Fear Street on one hand and Suspiria on the other hand, I think also need to bear in mind that maybe you're not the target audience for Fear Street. No, and that's what I realized too watching it is I'm like, I am not who this is for. This is for teenagers. Right. Who do need probably just blatant not great representation. Yeah. Back in the back absolutely. when I was a back when I was a teenager, uh any blatant representation was negative. Mm-hmm. Right? Unless it was like you were really going to go seek out a lesbian film or something. And it's like... But I mean, for like a teenager to just watch something... If it was like regular old movie and there was a gay character, it was a negative representation. So yeah. I think there are probably still 13-year-olds who love horror movies, who this is directed at, who do get to see gay characters. But they don't have maybe the tools to really dive into what it means at the moment. And maybe that doesn't matter. Yeah. They're seeing three movies where the lesbians are the heroes. Yeah. And that's really important, I guess. And it's just not for me. It's just not for me, see? It's, there is a power in that, I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe it's generational. Maybe I'm old and cranky. Uh, I, you know, there's things about it I really like. And I love Lee Janiac. I don't want to shit talk her. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Honeymoon. I also, I think there's something kind of disappointing about seeing this Hollywood system where a young, like, up-and-coming indie filmmaker makes a really impactful first film, and then the next thing she does is, you know, a shitty horror movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like a horror, like, like Nia DaCosta going on to do Candyman. I mean, I feel like she could be the exception. We, nobody knows what's gonna, what the new Candyman will be like, but, like, it's just that, like, it's like the people getting plucked up to do Star Wars films after doing one great movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but, but, like, or Kathy Ann doing Birds of Prey after doing Dead, Dead Pigs. And it's just like, it just feels so weird that, like, this is the trajectory we have for great filmmakers now, is we're just turning them into factory production units. Well, look at Chloe Zhao just fucking won an Oscar for Nomadland, and then she's doing a Marvel movie. Like, yeah, I think it's... yeah, exactly that. That's the way it goes. And then you have your one chance to do the Marvel movie. And then you probably go into television directing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and so Lee Janiak has kind of, since Honeymoon, what she's done, a, she did a couple episodes of the Scream TV series. She did TV. Um, this show, the Fear Street, there are things I really did like about it. I enjoyed the second film. I enjoyed the, I thought the third film, I thought, you know, there was some emotional catharsis. The first film, I thought Simon was adorable. Nobody talks about how queer the lens of Fear Street is, that she films the boys in the same way that women are filmed in 80s horror films. Um, but I, I so I, there was things I liked about it, but it still was, it just felt like a TV movie or like Scream the TV series or Slasher the TV series. It was like on par with those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get that it, I'm not, I'm not a hater. Maybe I'm a hater, but <laughs> it, it's yeah, I guess it's it's just not for me. I understand that it's important for the youth, and I I just I just want youth. I just want youth to have better, even better. <laughs> well, sure, but they'll get there. Yeah, just get just make the lesbians listen to one of them listens to Portis Head, and the other listens to Riot Girl, and one of them has too much foundation, and one of them has acne. Like, make us look like real people. Well, that's a whole other argument. That's not you know. Yeah, anyway. Nobody in any movies looks like a real person anymore. <laughs> like, I know. You know, you have to go back in time for that. I but I know. think the I think the takeaway is and I I will say this 
that it's a, a thing I have said to my mother as well, Anthony. I'll lecture you both about it. Hearing you talk about these movies incessantly, that you didn't, you really didn't like the first one, but you watched the next two. And now you're talking about American Horror Stories, which if you're into American Horror Story, that's fine, but I don't know that you are. This is what I say to my mother, and now I say to you is, you know you don't have to watch that, right? I don't have to watch it. You don't have to. My mother is the type who will, if a show is 10 seasons long and she stopped liking it at season three, she will still watch all 10 fucking seasons. And I'll be yeah. like, why? Why? Like, Oh, yeah. You don't have to. And so I say this to you. I say this to everybody. And it's because it's something that I just said to myself is like, you start to see all these tweets and everybody's talking about Fear Street. And it's like, should I see these? Like, but I'm just not interested. It's Okay. It's okay. You don't have to watch everything. You don't have to watch every new horror movie. If you want to, that's great. Go for it. But what I'm saying is I release you. I give you permission to give yourself permission to release yourself from the grips of Ryan fucking Murphy. It's okay. (laughs) See, this is now I I touch my amulet and I start glowing and then I just disappear. (laughs) I've been freed. (laughs) I've been freed. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's, it, you know, it, things can be worthwhile conversations regardless, but I just, you know. I guess it's just how do I exist in a world where I should be so lucky that I get to watch Aaron Tveit. I don't know how to say his name, but he's he was in Grease Live, the musical, and he was in Brain Dead with um, The Wind's Dead. And... I have been Googling whether or not he's gay for like a decade. And then I get to see him make out with a dude in the first episode of American Horror Stories. And there's like a lesbian daughter who's into BDSM and is making out with like Cindy Crawford's daughter. And I'm like, everything about this, I should just be like living for. Mm -hmm. And instead I'm like, wow, this is really bad. I mean, except for seeing Aaron tonight make out with that dude. That was nice. Well, bad is bad. Just seeing representation doesn't have any representation does not equate to quality or no, and representation think, doesn't equate to it's going to appeal to me i think that's the problem though is now i feel like these filmmakers or studios filmmakers might be a strong word especially for american horror story but like the people that make this content i hate that term also uh i think they're more concerned with how it the optics yes of how they look and it's it just it it's virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, but I'm like, but you could also try writing it. <laughs> like, But that's never gonna, I mean, that's, I mean, that's never gonna happen. I mean, you'll get your indie things, you'll get, and there'll be a mainstream thing every once in a while, but I, asking for good movies? Are you nuts? What's wrong with me? <laughs> it's truly asking too much. It really is. And this Whether is that's a, whether it's a gay movie or a straight movie. Like. Yeah. This is that slippery slope where I become a libertarian. And it's like, well, I don't know. I feel like my comments could just be turned into, I don't care about, I, I've just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's it's a very narrow line between, uh, you know, virtue signaling. And if you're going to make this, why not make it good is a, is a, the frog's hair. That's for, my Mount, that's for all of my Mount Holyoke alumni. A frog's hair? Fine, finer than frog's hair. Um, what? 
it'll make sense to like two people. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's a very <laughs> thin line between that and gay people should only be in things if they're there for a purpose and if it makes sense. Yeah, no, and I feel like that's the thin line, right? With that, like, like with Tim Burton when when he when he finally puts a black person in one of his movies, Samuel Jackson in Miss Peregrine's, and then someone was like, "Hey, so why did?" don't you ever cast people of color in your films? And he's like, I just show the world that I see. It it's not about <laughs> trying to force right. diversity. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to allude to that. But I feel like it, it's, it is a slippery slope. A lot of it is the cinematic equivalent of pride at Target. That's what, that's the thing. It's the love simoning. Yeah. It's the snow globes. And I'm like, what if we had less snow globes and we actually invested? Like, we took our snow globe fund and we just invested in writers. And oh, sure. and God forbid, good actors. I'm sorry, those, those two in Fear Street were awful. Well, now it's just... Why don't we just have health care? I mean, like, what kind Thank of uh, world, world are you asking for here, Anthony? I don't know, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to happen. I mean, just so many people are losing their minds over Fear Street. And I think that's great. It's great to enjoy things. If you sure. liked it, I know we have listeners that loved it and liked it and wanted us to talk about it. I'm happy for you. I enjoyed a lot of things about it. I had fun watching all three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they just weren't totally for me. That's okay. Gillian Jacobs, she's great. And you know what else is great? That I learned that her name is pronounced Gillian Jacobs. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. I knew that. Well, don't we have all the answers today? We really do. We're very old and wise today. Very old and wise. Wow. You know, it's, well, I I feel good for you that you've been able to air some of these feelings. Yeah. I just. Because I've seen them. You have. I would say a point that you made, and it's a point that we talk about behind the scenes pretty frequently, actually. Um, when you said, like, could we talk about these? Is there enough in the story, whatever, blah, 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 to talk about these movies? I don't think it was enough to constitute a Gaylords episode. I would like to counter that by not only pointing to the fact that we did an episode on Don't Go in the Woods Alone. (laughs) But also on the fact that today, instead of talking about the Fear Street trilogy, we're talking about... A movie no one has seen. Yeah, we're 50-year-old men talking about whatever the fuck we want today. Uh, a movie that there's nothing to really talk about. Um, but here we are. Stacy, how did we arrive at the choice of 1984's Blind Date today? Well, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> this is our couples therapy episode. Yeah. Was going through a pile of VHS tapes that I had. Movies. Horror movies. Because I used to work at a video store when I lived in LA. Shout out to Spudix Movie Empire. The greatest video store that has ever been. Oh. It's it's gone now. Um, But it used to be. It was. Vast majority of the place was VHS. I worked there like one day a week. And basically instead of like getting paid i would just like get movies i would just like buy movies with my money and be like well just keep the money oh hell yeah and so i have a ton of vhs tapes that a lot of them i've never watched and so i find blind date and i say do i want to watch this and i look on the back and i'm like 
holy moly, how have I not actually put this in my VCR yet? <laughs> Blind Date, 1984, written and directed by Nico Masterakis. Oh. The maestro. The auteur. Visionary. <laughs> behind, behind what? Behind a little film called Dot Com for Murder. There you heard it first. <laughs> I look and I'm like, oh, wow. And then I look at the cast. It's got Kirstie Alley. Oh. I say, what? And I, I look it up and I'm like, what is this movie? And I text Anthony and I'm like, so I just found this tape from Nico Masterakis starring Kirstie Alley and Marina Sirtis of television's Star Trek The Next Generation. Thank you. And uh, Matriarch Benezia of Mass Effect. Thank you. What? You didn't know she was Matriarch Benezia? No. How did I know Shobra Agadashlu and Claudia Black were the, were like Tali's aunties or whatever? Wait, she was, are you serious? Yeah, I thought you knew that. Who I fight in the first game? Yeah. Liara's mother. And that's like a huge, in you know, in the saga of how my canon Femship and Liara <laughs> broke new ground in their relationship was that, you know, it was because they took down her mother together and it was really challenging for them, but it opened up a place of vulnerability in their hearts. <laughs> Marina Sirtis? Yeah. Who's signed action figure of, of acclaimed space counselor Deanna Troy I'm staring at right now in my menagerie of action figures? Yeah, man. What the fuck? So I said, Anthony, this movie stars Marina Sirtis as Hooker. (laughs) And also it's about a guy who goes blind, but then gets a computer put in his brain. But the computer works via a Walkman and it allows him to see. And Anthony's like, so we're doing this for the next episode, right? It's my fault. (laughs) It's Anthony's fault. But I made it look so tantalizing. It's like putting a delicious food in front of you and then saying, "Eh, eh, eh." like, of course. Because it is also available on Blu-ray. This movie is on something. Somewhere. Somewhere. Amazon, I think you can rent it. I feel like Uh it might be on Tubi. I'm not sure. Yeah, that sounds right. I watched it on VHS, which seems like the optimal way to watch it. You rented the Blu-ray. I got the glorious Blu-ray treatment. Yeah, so this movie is out there. I'm sure no one has seen it yet, but you can see it. (laughs) Do I recommend that you see it? Of course I do. Is it terrible? (laughs) Yes, very. Absolutely. (laughs) Very terrible. Um, But it does have Marina Sirtis in a wordless role. She speaks no lines as Hooker. I mean, we get to see her speaking the lines. They've just removed all the audio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're just like, what is my queen, space counselor Deanna Troy, saying? Yeah. It has characters like first victim, final victim, <laughs> hooker, murdered couple. <laughs> Did you notice Valerie Galino in this? No, she is. A portrait of a lady on fire and Frida. <laughs> she is? Yeah, she's one of them. She's one of the models at the photo shoot on the escalator. Oh my god. Like, what the fuck is this movie? Who the fuck is Nico Masterakis? How does he get these people in his like like dot com for murder had like Huey Lewis? Like, how does he get 
people how, how did he get Kirstie Alley and Valerie Galino and like later he was working with Hans Zimmer like in some of his first films as a composer well I think first films is I mean this was very early in Marina Sirtis's career this is very early in Kirstie yeah. Alley's career uh, but now it's like people just do whatever for a paycheck. They don't care. Huey Lewis shows up for a day, says some lines, banks <laughs> 20 grand or whatever, and says bye bye. I yeah. guess that's not as much a question, but <laughs> as yeah. much as how did Dot Com for Murder happen? Yeah. This movie also stars, stars feel strong, but someone else who is in this, let's say, is a, <laughs> a B movie favorite, Lana Clarkson. Yeah. Um, very sad who of course was murdered by Phil Spector yeah um, crazy hair and so it's great to see her in this she mm-hmm. had a great run of B movies in the early to mid 80s a lot of Roger Corman movies played a lesbian barbarian so really uh, she wanted to do comedy like she was just I don't know very bright presence and I think there's a lot of love for her and the low budget film fan world and it's very sad that she met such a tragic end it's really sad watching her in this yeah it's like how i feel anytime i watch sharon tate i just feel sad Mm -hmm. blind date though it also stars a guy named joseph bottoms (laughs) does he now (laughs) (laughs) he's the actual star of the film unlike kirstie alley who is credited as a star (laughs) yeah well she probably went on to be the biggest they're not going to credit Marina Sirtis because she plays a hooker who doesn't talk. Yeah. And her character name is Hooker. Uh, Kirstie Alley ostensibly has a role in this movie. Allegedly. Allegedly. Look, I mean, I kind of described what this movie is already, and it sounds... Oh, Keir Dulea is also in this, of Black Christmas, of The Haunting of Julia, of a billion other movies. He is the doctor who implants the Walkman computer. Oh, that was him. He had more hair than I've ever seen him have before. Yeah, he had like a, the most spectacular floppy dandy hair. Yeah, 2001 he's in, right? 2001? I forgot that he was, I remember you texting me that he was in it and I totally spaced watching it. Yeah. I was just so taken by Marina's star making turn. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, I wrote in all caps at one point, what is this movie even about? What is the plot? Because you don't find out about until about three-fourths of the way through. Yeah. <laughs> There's it... just like chains of scenes that kind of happen in two parallel stories, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, is it a mess? I don't know. It's. I've really come to admire... In my twilight years. In my golden years. I've come to admire these filmmakers who make what they want to make. They have a vision for whatever it is. And that's the movie they make. If it doesn't make sense to the rest of us, they don't care. Yeah. And let me, that's the definition of Nico Mastrakis. He thinks he's Hitchcock. He thinks he's Hitchcock. That's why he did... Everyone remembers that the the day that Stacy realized, like on air maybe the dot com for murder title and what that was in reference to, because <laughs> he thought he was making the eye horror dial M for murder. Yeah. So obviously the natural title translates to dot com for murder because that's how I dial a, a website. Yeah. On my internet phone browser. 
<laughs> he, I came out of this movie. We were both so bored during the movie. Oh we were like God. sighing, rolling our eyes. We're like waiting for it to be over. The movie ended and I had warm fuzzies for Nico Mastrakis because <laughs> he's just such a weirdo. I had warm fuzzies through probably the first half of it. Yeah. And then, all like, that's the problem also, though, is that sometimes these movies are just dreadful. But yeah. I really was into it for, like, the first half, and then it got real boring, and I wrote down, we know where this is going. For the love of Christ, can we please get there? Just get to the fucking pool already. And then I remembered that I was watching this on a VCR. And so I pressed the fast-forward button. And let me tell you, watching... A lot of the stalking sequences and everything at a times two speed was much better. I was like, I know there's no dialogue here. It's just someone walking upstairs interminably or driving interminably because it's like we can't just they don't know how to craft a film so that character gets from A to B. They don't know the like two shots they can do that in and so they have to do it in 50 or like show the entire journey when it has yeah. no bearing on anything and it makes for a very boring film yeah 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 but the beginning right away this film won my heart when our hero john <clears throat> as portrayed by joseph bottoms you said mm-hmm. yeah does he when he comes out wearing a t-shirt that says i heart my dentist <laughs> in his otherwise suit <laughs> He's wearing a suit with a t-shirt on that says, I heart my dentist. And I thought to myself, that's strange. And then I thought to myself, maybe his girlfriend is a dentist or his wife is a dentist or something. No, no. Aww. He was just wearing a t-shirt that said, I heart my dentist. Because he's like a cool, hot, young ad exec, I think. Is that his job? Yes. Yes. He listens to his Walkman, foreshadowing. Nico Masterakis had obviously just discovered the Walkman because every character has a Walkman and listens to it mm-hmm. all the time. Yes. And it's the coolest thing. It's so fucking cool. You can this... you can pin it onto your belt. <laughs> That's right. Clip it onto your waistband, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This movie does have two things that I love in movies, especially horror movies. One is a fast-paced advertising agency. Hello, like in passion hello brian de palma's passion uh hello D D advertising of television's melrose place i love oh, yeah. an advertising agency um and it also has fashion photography shoots that are meant to be so cool and glamorous and everything and they're just not like yeah. i love them in horror movies like click the calendar girl killer or dawn of the mummy where it's just like here we are the high oh my god we have the most incredible photographer he like takes art photos but and it's just like it's just so poorly done so good you still need to see paganini horror where they do the music video shoot it's amazing yeah i love that kind of shit and so so i was hooked to blind date and that was before uh, our hero John runs into a tree branch and is ready to blind. <laughs> because he's stalking a woman throughout this movie? Because he's stalking his ex who uh, cut off all contact with him after they were out on a date together and she ended up gang raped while on the date. Yeah. And so she's like 
stop talking to him or whatever. And then he spots her because she's a model at this shoot that his ad agency is, has organized. And so he just literally stalks her for the rest of the movie. He, like, goes up to the roof of her building and then goes into her apartment and, like, sits next to her bed and watches her sleep. Yeah, like, peels back the thatched fucking roof and just crawls in and is just hiding in there. Yeah. The fuck? And I'm like, this is this is the lead? <laughs> like this, it, it, it just made me think, like, media over the years has just glamorized and misrepresented men not respecting women's boundaries or anything and it's it's supposed to be like a romantic thing i was gonna say is it misrepresentation (laughs) well no i mean it's it's it's, no it's misrepresented in terms of like it's endearing yes because then the you know i will say to blind date's credit they don't get together at the end that's true yeah he doesn't harp on it he doesn't I she doesn't that's owe him. I thought it was going to go there, but it, surprisingly it didn't. But it's like, yeah. we've taken this stalker behavior and made it, like, just what he does. Because he cares about her. It's longing. It's because he loves her. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there's a song playing. And I'm like, I know that Nico Masterakis is not... Like, this is where I'm not generous. He's not trying to make a point. There was a song playing at one point, and the lyrics were like, no matter how far away you push me, I'll keep coming back. Like, no matter what you say, I will keep coming back because I love you. Oh, my God. And it's just like, this is a romantic song? Yeah, it's romantic. What the fuck? Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he literally runs into a tree branch and is rendered uh, hysterically blind. He has no reason that he shouldn't be able to see. It's just trauma. Instead of waiting for the trauma to heal and his sight to return, he goes to an experimental surgeon, played by Kier Dulea, who implants a computer thing in his brain, puts a Walkman on him. The Walkman is full of computer, and this allows him to see... It, like, destroys permanently, like, his optic nerve and any chance of him seeing naturally. Even though, like you said, he could just wait it out. Yeah, but he was impatient. He wants that, he wants that pixel vision. (laughs) And if you say to yourself, what kind of science is this? I say, well, they do say words like computer. Sonar. Computer chip. (laughs) synthesizer electrode so clearly this could actually happen yeah he did master rackus did his research mm-hmm. into walkman optic science CompuVision, it's called CompuVision, which is basically what like atari eyes well at one point he literally hooks himself up to an atari 2600 <laughs> so he can just beam the game directly into his brain this and movie. then he orgasms from it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this movie? So this is his journey. He's got Kirstie Alley, who's kind of a bitch. <laughs> because she's like, hey, where? what did you do last night? Right? So, what a bitch. Uh, yeah, why are you following this woman? <laughs> <laughs> why are you stalking her? They're dating. She's also his administrative assistant? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's fine, but she wears an incredible top. <laughs> when she's introduced, I was like, I saw those eyes, I saw that, I saw that cleavage, I saw that top. I was like, God, why you got to do me like this, Allie? Why can't she just be great? We talked can't about this she... before the show. 
I know. I will always be sad. I can't see her now without just being so sad and getting like, it's not, it's not FOMO. It's like retro FOMO. I don't know. I'm just like, why, man? You were so cool. She was so cool. But it's fine because she doesn't get to do anything in this. She really doesn't. Um, And so meanwhile, that's his journey. And then meanwhile, a man is driving a cab, picking up women, and then killing them. Through open heart surgery. Through open heart surgery? He's drawing, he gets out of his pen, soul, thing. (laughs) draws a line on them and then we like there's no explicit violence in this movie at all no it always cuts away and then you're like okay how are these two storylines going to merge obviously the killer's going to end up coming after his ex rachel lana clarkson mm-hmm. and uh because he's stalking her or whatever he'll figure it out and save the day and uh, that's what happens an hour and 45 minutes later yeah but what's really incredible <laughs> is that the killer follows him follows joseph bottoms because it becomes a reverse game of cat and mouse you know as often happens in these stalking thrillers yeah killer follows him joseph bottoms as we've established is a stalker creep and has been following this woman around so he has the file with her headshot and her modeling information that he took from the ad agency and the killers the killer sees the file in his house and he's like, ooh, and he sees the picture of her. And you know that she's next because he's holding it. And then he takes his pencil and he draws the little cut around her throat. Yeah. Until <laughs> it turns out the killer is her boyfriend. <laughs> and he already knew her. Maybe he just got the idea to kill her when he saw the picture of her. <laughs> like It makes no sense that it's her boyfriend. What? It's, we don't, and suddenly, and somehow our hero, John, has pieced together this dude's whole life story. Yeah. From zero information. He's like, oh, he's your boyfriend. And he's not really a doctor. He wanted to be a doctor. And it's like, how did you, how did you know all this? With Atari eyes? His Atari eyes let him see, I guess. (laughs) What's hidden beneath the surface. It's the sixth sense. Is Atari. Yep. Not dead people. This movie is bad. Oh, bad. <laughs> it's bad. Also amazing. If it wasn't so boring, that that yeah, prevents yeah. me from... There are so many movies that I'm like, Ugh, I could love you, but my God. I agree. An hour and 45 minutes. Because I was in it to win it. Are you kidding me? Someone gets computer vision and they, to, by wearing a Walkman? This movie is made for me. Are you joking? What was up with that subway gang who terrorizes him? The gay show tunes punks. Yeah! <laughs> what? They're like shirtless. They sing show tunes. They're fae. They beat up blind people. I loved them. I loved them. I was so confused by why they were in it. And they're like, hey, daddy-o, <laughs> like singing like Rodgers and Hammerstein or something. And then they just like beat the shit out of him. I, I was just... like, good for gay people. That's the queer depiction I want. I just, it had so much I loved, but it just did not come together into anything that I can recommend anybody watch. Can I? <laughs> Maybe. How does it compare to .com for Murder for you? Well, if we're looking for... across his filmography, right? 
Oh, well, I would prefer a dot .com for murder, I would have to say. It's just for the, the fonts on that DVD case alone. Exactly. I mean, that's got much more internet action, first of all. <laughs> and internet talking at you. Internet talking at me. It's got internet fingers. It's got <laughs> the cast, honey. Nastasia Kinski and Nicolette Sheridan, please. My God. Uh, so, I mean, dot .com for murder, clearly. Yeah. Here's the thing, like, I am going to have to watch his entire filmography now. <laughs> because I've seen three of his films now. I've seen Dot Com for Murder, which obviously is the classic. Uh, I saw, and I'll never get over the fact that you signed a copy of that at our live show. Um, <laughs> the, you added the, the, the sixth font to that DVD case. <laughs> uh, I've seen this now, Blind Date, 1984. And then I've, and then The Wind, Starring Meg I, Foster. And I, I have to... The wind. I'm telling you, The Wind is actually... It's like a legit movie, and it's good. And yeah. Meg Foster is awesome in it. Like, it is the closest thing I've ever seen to, like, a Meg Foster starring vehicle. Because she always just plays, like, supporting roles, you know? Or was, like, the weirdo vixen kind of strange, sedated, or fear fearful, or fear-causing woman in a film. Yeah. And in that, like, she gets to just chew the scenery and, like, the camera follows her the whole movie. And the last ten minutes are fine. It's just a chase scene. But the rest of the movie is, like, actually good. Hmm. So I'm, like, I'm on this quest now. I, I have to see his entire filmography. Because <laughs> he's such a weirdo. Like, he's this Greek B-movie maestro, in a way. They just don't know how to how to do chase scenes these movies always end up with a chase scene towards the end and the chase scene is like 15 minutes yeah and you're saying to yourself i know this is supposed to be thrilling am i thrilled yeah that's exactly what happens with the wind which is it's too bad because the rest of the movie is great but that's the thing as bad as it is i do have some kind of respect it's it's like eli roth and those shitty um chilean chile wood or whatever films that he was trying to do I mean, I love Knock Knock, but like even Green Inferno, there's like, you kind of, there's, you kind of, there's a part of me that kind of wants to respect the, like, just the, the weirdo posse, <laughs> like, I'm going to get a bunch of friends together. We're going to make this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I get that vibe with Nico Masterakis. Like he was trying to be like a one man Greek, like, like, I don't know if there was, if there is Italian cinema, he was trying to create Greek horror cinema. Uh, and it, and I respect that. Like you said, we talked about it with Kathy's Curse of like, here's a filmmaker who's making the movie they want to make. Yeah. It might not make any sense to the rest of us. It might be quote unquote terrible. Um, but I, I admire the moxie. Yeah. You know, I admire someone who has a vision and sticks to it, no matter how poor or poorly realized or fucked up that vision is. Mm hmm. I respect that. And Nico Mastrakis can construct a film. He has that going for him. Like, he's technically absolutely fine and skilled as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. He just loses sight <laughs> of what a movie should arguably be. <laughs> yeah, well, when they have no one telling them, like, let's trim this, yeah. let's do this or that, then that's when things get out of hand. One thing about Nico Mastrakis in just the two films that I've seen that I admire is his willingness to engage in computer tomfoolery. 
and act like this is all scientifically sound and this is the way these things actually function. Yeah. Um, I'm here for some mumbo jumbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was for doing sure. he was doing tech before anyone else. Yeah. Him and um Oh, who's that guy that did Edge of the Axe? Did you ever see Edge of the Axe? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jose Early eye horror. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him too. I like both of them. Mm-hmm. Both those guys, weirdos, making these weirdo yeah. B movies. So while Blind Date is available, <laughs> should you watch it? Should you watch it? Here we are. This is. I mean, can we get on here and say, you know, that thing that everybody likes, Fear Street, that thing that everybody's talking about. Uh uh-uh. uh, you should watch Blind Date from 1984. Like I don't know that we can, in good faith, do that to our listeners. <laughs> If you are going through your things and you find a copy of Blind Date in a stack of movies, give it a try. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, again, do what you want to do. But I I say you are released from the binds of Gaylords of Darkness. <laughs> talking about a film and you don't have to engage. How's that? You can just clutch that amulet and vanish into the ether and ascend. Ascend. Or, you know, if you want to be confused and say the killer kept a scalpel in his speedo, <laughs> and that would that went fine. Where do you keep your scalpel? In my speedo, of course. Okay, see, scientifically sound. I just thought I was the one that knew how to do it right, so it doesn't <laughs> nick you. <ya. laughs> so, if that's a lingering question for you, and or you want Kirsty Alley thoughts, unwanted thoughts. Yeah. Watch Blind Date. Terrible film. <laughs> sure. Terrible film. Terrible film. <laughs> the first half is great. Well, I mean, great. That's strong. The first half has Marina Sirtis. The first half, I'll, I'll say, the first half I was on board. Yes. I was into it. It had, it just hit too many of the items on my checklist of love. <laughs> Fashion shoot. <laughs> Computer mumbo jumbo. Someone going blind by running into a tree branch. This is like when Cynthia Rothrock in that movie hit a tree branch and became psychic. Tree branches can change human physiognomy. This is incredible. This is your your professorial thesis. (laughs) Yeah, this is my next horror movie symposium. Yeah, it cuts to the the classroom and you're showing the tree branch effect. Yeah, ah, look for my new column in Room Org Magazine. <laughs> tree branches in horror. Yeah, tree branch science. You know what, though? <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> tree branch science. <laughs> That's, um, that was another course uh, at the International <laughs> Correspondence School. Yeah, at the Sally Struthers School. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it had a t-shirt with no meaning, Walkman's aplenty, Computer mumbo jumbo, like so much. I was ready to marry it for a little while. Yep. Gay show tunes punks. Show tunes punks. Loved them. Loved them. And then it got boring. <laughs> so maybe just watch the first half. Watch the first half. Fast forward, maybe. Or don't. Just end it there. Watch to the point. Watch until he hooks his brain up to his Atari. Yeah. Which should be the selling point, right? It really should. <laughs> Yeah. But that's where it goes downhill. Blind date. What the fuck? (laughs) 
Now we have no more excuses. Or listeners. Have... Or listeners. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be our lowest uh, episode for sure. Above all that said, Stacy, now, are you ready to plug in your thinking Walkman and place your head on the chopping block? <laughs> beep, beep, boop, boop. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what binary sounds like. <laughs> the two genders. Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Yeah, it's beep beep and boop boop, not beep beep and boop bop. Yes. It's my bumper sticker. <laughs> oh, sure, I'll play the chopper block. What else do I have to do? The chopping block, right? You know. I've heard of it heard of it it's an urban legend <laughs> um whatever it's a question and answer game <laughs> <laughs> my brain just every stopped. time it literally i meant to keep going but i couldn't <laughs> my walkman batteries died yeah it died it overloaded whoa you can only use it for two hours or every 15 minutes or whatever the doctor said. I was very confused. <laughs> uh, oh, question and answer game about horror movies, obviously. Yeah. Um, we each have to choose from three categories. Each category consists of five questions. You place your head on the chopping block. The heads they are non-binary executioner has their labrys held high. <laughs> Ready to chop your head off because you only have 10 seconds to answer each question. If you get it wrong or time runs out, that blade is going to come down and chop your head off. But you have one opportunity to cry out, I want the wig. In which case, (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis's wig. From the 1981 film Halloween 2 will manifest upon your head. And the heads day is like, wait a minute. That hair just changed. Hey, wait a minute. Hey. Why is the hair different? It's heads day tomatoes. If I, if I cut this person's head off, am I cutting the right person's head off? And this, this they're asking themselves questions, and then ten, you get ten more seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, if you win, that's fantastic. I'm so happy for you. If you die, oh, I feel bad. But then it's the other person's turn. The end. Well done. Well done. Okay, thanks. You try to make it interesting, but I don't know that it needs to be. After so many times, right? After so many times, I try to make it marginally, and I mean, entertaining. No. Yeah. Uh, I just try. I don't want to read it. I'm not reading it. But I'm, I, I'm just... I do love the pause every time we get to the wig of like, which wig could it be? And you consider all the wigs in horror. <laughs> All the wigs were fluttering by. I tried to remember if there was a wig in Blind Date, and I was like, no, there's no wig. Well, but then there's the wig in Security, because, Stacey, they could have all been wigs, as Wig Court demonstrated last week. I had forgotten that. Thank you for bringing it up again. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, so here we are. I don't know. Oh, yes, I do. (gasps) You answered first last time, I think. So that means... 
you so answer means, first this time. Yes, if we are alternating, that is exactly what it means. I love this. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Okay, Stacy. I have two new categories for you and one returning category. Your Woo-hoo! returning category is as a you know as a the title only as a reference to a Nico Masterakis masterpiece. Um, the returning category is Dial L for murder. Now this is trivia at the intersection of horror movies and L word actresses. Uh, your new categories. Your first new category is she's got cursy alley eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all about women with notable eyes in oh, horror. Because didn't you see Kirstie Alley in those frosty blues? Sure did. Um, or greens or electric hazels, whatever it is. Neon gray. Uh, so she's got Kirstie Alley eyes. Your next new category is Masterakis of Horror. Uh, <laughs> and this is all about the filmography of Nico Masterakis. And you don't actually have to have seen any of these films to be able to answer the questions. Oh. So, your three categories are Dial L for Murder, She's Got Kirstie Alley Eyes, or Masterakis of Horror. Those are all so good. How am I supposed to choose? They are good. Thank you. I guess I'll go. Kirstie Alley eyes. Kirstie Alley eyes. Really? Okay. Why not? I don't know why that came out of my mouth, but it did. And we're here now. Who has notable eyes? Okay. Now, this can be about actresses. This can be about characters. This could be about... uh, Oh, dear. You'll figure it out as you go, but I think you're going to get these, Stacey. I do. Okay. You just got to think about who's goddamn eyes in these films. Okay. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. She's got Kirstie Alley eyes. Question one. Emily's white eyes in this film are even more iconic than her guide dog, Dickie, who is adorable but an admittedly terrible service animal. The beyond. Ding, ding, ding. She's got those classic white eyes. Yeah, she does. Question two. She's done it all. Knocked Roddy Piper out a window, brought vengeance upon Salem, fought wind, and she has those famous frosty blue eyes. Who is she? Meg Foster, bitch! Ding, ding, ding! That is her legal Christian name. (laughs) (laughs) Meg Foster, comma, bitch. Mm -hmm. God, I love her. Yeah. All right, look at you. Chugging ever onward. Okay. 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 Question three. It's not so much Olga Carlatos's eyes as seeing one of them get impaled on a big wooden splinter in this 1979 gross-out film. Zombie! Ding, 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 ding! Also known as Zombie 2. Thank you. I would have accepted either. Zombie 2 is the title that I typically call it as because that's the the very first DVD of it that I purchased. I see. Um, love that I... movie. I oh, it's love so gross. Movie, it's so gross. Love so it. good, so gross. Love it. When are we gonna do that? We have we ever done Fulci? Have we? I don't think we've ever done Fulci. Love Fulci. We haven't done the Beyond. We saw the Beyond. Yeah, we have not. I don't think so. Oh, hmm. Fulci, Might gross motherfucker. Of Fulci month. 
Don't you tease me. We're almost there. You're on question okay. four now. Question four. You're going to get this. You're so, you're just killing it. You're going to get this. In the 2018 remake, this character wore sunglasses. But in the 1977 original, we get a glimpse <laughs> at her blood red lined eyes. Who is she and what's the movie? <laughs> is that Elena Marcos and Suspiria? Ding, 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 ding! Oh, Ooh, you're almost there! Oh my gosh, okay. Okay. Stacy! Congratulations, you have made it to question five. Oh my god. Oh my god, okay. Thank you, Irish friend. What was that? Ah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> She's visiting from Survival of the Dead. Um, question five. Weren't they Irish in Survival of the Dead? They were Irish cowboys versus Looney Tunes zombies? Yes. Yeah, good. Thank you, Romero. Okay, question five. After one week... All it takes is one glimpse from her big, bulging eye to stop your heart. What? I want the wig. A week? Oh! Huh? Samara? The ring? Uh, Ding, 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 ding! Oh! Okay! Congratulations! Oh! Congratulations! Right. You won. <laughs> okay. I'll technically, Sadako. Technically, Sadako. However, the fact that you were referencing the character I and you see. also stated the ring, because that is also the title. I see. Makes you correct. All right. I forgot. There's no eye close up in the remake. Well, there's close ups yes. of her eyes. No, and the, that's the thing is like the horse eye in the remake and all that. Yeah. Like there is there is allusion to her killer eye. Okay. But she does have like the mutant eye in the in the Man. first. Man, that eye in Ringu. I love I love Sadako in Ringu. I love her. But the rest As... of it, I just want it. To, I just want it to be better. No, you just want the whole movie to be that last scene. Yeah. But, and it could have been great if it wasn't for fucking Ryuji. Yeah. Like, just let Reiko have the story. Exactly. And that's the best thing about the remake. Mm-hmm. I won! Stacy, you won! She's I got won. Kirstie Alley eyes! Uh, you uh, have won a bouquet of eyes <laughs> from 1-800-Flowers. Thank you. Say it with eyeballs. <laughs> oh god <laughs> well now it's time for you to turn those cursed alley eyes on yourself Dr. Lecter <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay your turn place your head on the sparkling clean chopping block please yes, yes sir she was a Scientologist sir <laughs> unfortunately sir unfortunately sir <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. She, oh. she was a great big Xenu person. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Well, um, okay, you also have two new categories from which to choose. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank Gum. you. Uh, all right new category number one hey i know that guy 
It's all about uh, famous people making cameos in horror movies. Oh, okay. Sometimes I ask you for the famous person. Sometimes I ask you for the movie. Maybe they're playing themselves. Maybe not. But it's like famous people who stick out making a cameo in a horror movie. Okay. Okay. Category two. It's called Fashion. Look it up. All about iconic outfits in horror. I describe an iconic <gasps> outfit. I have that I would like the character and the movie, but you can give me either or, let's say. Oh. And category three, your returning category is Disaster July as July winds down. Oh, yeah. Disaster July. I describe a disaster movie. You tell me the name of the movie. Oh, motherfucker, is this the last July episode? What am I, Big Ben? I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. Get out of here, Peter Pan. <laughs> I guess so. Um, what? Yeah, July's done. Kaputski. Oh, no. We're all going to be dead from Omega in no time. Get out of here, July. We've had enough of you. Oh. So, your categories are, hey, I know that guy. It's called Fashion Look It Up and Disaster July. You know, no offense to President Pilot Karen Black, uh, now back alive, President Pilot Karen Black, but I, and I know I'm going to die. I just know I'm going to seize up and I'm going to lose all consciousness and, and, and I'll see the answer right in front of me and I will be shamed on the internet. But what's new? I got to go with the fashion. I got hand me the oh, fashions. Oh, these easy breezy, easy breezy. You're gonna get these, no problemos. You don't get the money if you only say half of the the tagline. What? Oh, for Maybelline, our new sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Sorry. Uh, easy breezy, beautiful. You're gonna get these for okay. sure. Okay. Oh. God. No problemos. Okay, here we go. It's called fashion. Look it up. Remember, character, oh. I would love character and movie, but oh, you can breathe. give me one or the other. Here we go. Fashion look number one. A bowl cut and an Apollo 11 sweater. <laughs> I won the wig. A bowl cut. Oh, and an Apollo. Oh, we talked about this. Who the fuck has a bowl cut? Danny! The Shining! Ding, ding, ding. Not the Overlook Hotel. Not the Overlook Hotel. The last second. Are you serious? Like, you had a fraction of a second left. Oh my god. Fashion look number two. Wendy and Danny were both fashion plates. Yeah, they were. Okay, okay. Oh, God, I wasted my wig. No, I didn't. I got it. Okay. Number two. High-heeled boots, (laughs) mirrored aviators, and a paintbrush. Um, uh, a lady painter and don't go into the woods alone? Yes! Ding, ding, ding! Oh, wow! She was wearing high-heeled boots. Yes, she was! just continues to expand honestly you even got her name right it's lady painter i'll never forget that (laughs) lady painter (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, here we go. Fashion plate number three. Tap shoes, bedazzled sunglasses, and some kind of fluffy dress. Oh, my, my, my queen, my queen, uh, Rhoda from, uh, Bad Seed. Yes! Ding, ding, ding! Fucking lie to my life. Fashion plate number four. A white turtleneck, brown corduroys, and a filthy rag. Oh, fuck you. That's <laughs> Kathy from Kathy's Curse. Yes, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> the filthy rag does count as part of the ensemble. <laughs> yes. Well, white total making brown corduroys. Who knows how many people that could be. All right. I know. Fashion plate number five. You're at the end. Oh, You're no. at the end. The finish oh, line is no. I think you'll get this one. Oh, I, I reject it. I think this could be very hard. You might say you might need a wig. Do what? I might need a wig? I don't it's, have a wig. This is, I know. This one's very, very hard. Is it? Yes. Oh, Fashion plate number five. Sunglasses. And a baby arm. <laughs> <laughs> Who can it be but... Elena Marcos, everyone. <laughs> yes. Oh. Ding, ding, ding. We both oh. won today. Oh. Has this ever happened? Yeah. Oh, it's well, rare. That's not exciting. <laughs> it's rare. This but is probably like... like maybe the third, maybe the third time, I think. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, man. Our brains don't even work, and we both won? We both won. I was, I thought you were going to, honestly, not that I don't have faith, but I got nervous on that first one. I did too. Well, I'm a second away. Because mm -hmm. I kept thinking it was going to be a queen, you know? Yeah. But it was Danny, who Danny! I don't consider a queen. No, but I consider Danny the ultimate fashion plate. So. He really is. He really is. Because look who was fucking dressing him. Exactly. I mean, it, that's clearly, like, like if you need an argument for why Jack Nicholson is a fucking asshole and just doesn't deserve that family, mm -hmm. look at the fashions that he couldn't, he couldn't comprehend. Exactly. <sighs> wow, double wow. victory! It feels Nicely unreal. Done. It really does. That was a great category, thank you. It was fun. It feels unreal. <laughs> In the future, you could add I Heart Dentist shirt to the fashion place. Right, and I selection. will. <laughs> I, will. And I, don't, I, I don't care if you know that answer already. Well, what an exciting way to wrap up this bizarre episode. <laughs> About a very relevant film that people are just desperately seeking out and, and thrusting force forward into the zeitgeist, etc. It's kind of an episode about Fear Street. We spent 20 minutes talking about it. Yeah! And then we talked about a movie no one's ever seen. Whatever. <laughs> it's Gaylords of Darkness. Get used to it, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They probably Get are after three years. Yeah, they're either used to it or they're not here any longer. Yeah, they've, um, they've, they've left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're still around, hello. Thank you. We'll be back next week. 
I almost just said goodbye. <laughs> Hello, thank you, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. We haven't decided yet. No. I'm sure it'll be just as culturally important and relevant as today's film. Blind Date, 1984. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything to say, Anthony? Did you get all your Fear Street feelings out? I feel like I got most of them out. I feel like I'm going to... I, I don't know. I feel like now I'm just a hater. And maybe I'll like it more as it grows, as time goes on, you know? So maybe that's fine too, people. Sure. You can always change and evolve and like and enjoy something that maybe isn't even ethically within your wheelhouse of what you want to see in a film <laughs> yeah you know what sure what matters um is that you don't talk to me about it what <laughs> i just don't want to hear any thoughts i just want to air my thoughts Without having oh. to, like, have thoughts returned back to me. So I so that said, also, if you have strong feelings about Fear Street, or, you know, you agree or any of that, feel free to not follow up with me about it. <laughs> <laughs> because that's Are how you... the internet works. I think if you got rid of social media, it could be that way. Mostly. Oh, that's the dream. It's honestly, it's the fucking answer. We need to just all do it, but, uh, you know. So it's... Follow us on social media at, <laughs> at Gaylords of Darkness. Wow. We're on Twitter at Gaylords of D. Um, we are on the GeoCities at GaylordsofDarkness.com. <laughs> Angel Fire. At Angel Fire. We have a guest book and a counter. You could sign the guest book and you could see which number you are. Um, we have a GIF. <laughs> it's a spinning eyeball. It's a spinning eyeball. Um, <laughs> oh, the good old days where everything oh no. was like neon yellow text on a black background to just blow out your eyes every yep. time you logged on. Yep. Oh man. Ah, uh, well, I'm sure you'll have something else to complain about next. <laughs> if it's not fisting or fear street, it'll be something. <laughs> okay. Well, um. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my, my god. god! Oh, oh my god. god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, ha, ha.